So welcome, Vern. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you talk about, um, and, and your business is, is what? Called a neural profit engine. Engines. Yes, neural profit engines. You have to explain that. And how did you come to it? And what's it got to do with solving business problems? Well, thank you. I, I developed the idea because I was caught flat-footed during the pandemic. And, you know, I had to completely reorganize my company to prepare for the future. And I decided that the most important thing was to organize it in such a way that it could endure chaos, um, disruptive, the disruptive business environment. I mean, when you listen to business news or you listen to um, or you read business articles, I mean, the word that's most prevalent is disruptive. Everyone wants to develop a company that's going to disrupt all the other companies. So how do you deal that? How do you deal with that? And I had been working with artificial intelligence for with for marketing enhance, to enhance marketing and for forecasting. And I realized that probably the the one thing that we have that's most tuned and has evolved over the years to be able to handle chaos and be able to handle a radical change in our environment and sense danger is our brain. And, uh, you know, our brain is, you know, the biggest, the biggest neural network. And I realized that, you know, in addition to this, uh, the neural model can be actually expanded you know, to many different areas. So what I want to first explain what is neural and then what I mean by a neural engine, and then explain how a company can utilize these concept concepts for profitability. But, um, you know, and how to actually design, we actually go into actually designing a company for profitability. And that's actually what dovetails nicely with your area, because what they found is that organizations who are organized to take advantage of structures, the most valuable part of that structure is um, a set of people who can collaborate and work together and have soft skills and have strong relationships. So then I could go in there and give them a speech and some workshops on how to work together smoothly. Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it's perfect. We could actually work on some papers together on organizing, you know, what it takes to organize in a neural fashion and then what it takes to implement it by training people to collaborate and develop the relationships awesome. that, and the trust. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it basically starts with, make sure I'm pointing to the right, right area with the neurons, which is up here. Yes, I put it in my background so I don't have to change slides. <laughs> um, and, 
you know, neurons are actually basically, oops, neurons are actually, our brain is actually a system of neurons, a giant network. Our brain is the biggest neural network there is. There's just millions, you know, billions, maybe trillions of connections. And uh, so it, it functions, it re regulates how we think and operates. And uh, we need nerve cells that can detect information and transmit that information and then interpret that information. And that's what nerve cells do. They, they basically share information by connections that are just almost barely touching and they send signals across these synapses to um, to communicate, share information with each other. And that's that's the role of the neurons. So you're saying artificial intelligence is basically replicating how our brain works. That's it. That's it. And um, that's that's what this is right here. It this is the mathematical model that we use, or you know, an example of one of the mathematical models that we use to to replicate the organization of the brain. And um, you know. These models, you know, they function the same as a brain. I mean, think about you're out hiking and you see a bear. You know, what 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 are all the functions that you need to you need to first of all, your body needs to recognize it's a bear. Your body needs to then understand that that bear could be dangerous for you. Then you you know, basically for that, you need uh, optical recognition and you need basically a set of a database that tells you that bears bears are dangerous animals <laughs> and uh you need a complex system to process uh, all that information and you know there can't be a boss there, you see do you see over here do you see a, a boss a boss neuron in in i'll get my there's there's no boss it's all it's it's like Communist boss meaning system. like the boss Everyone of a company. Wants... You mean boss meaning yeah. like leader of all the other people. You're saying yeah, or as, that these are all equal. Just... Yeah, and and uh, and they're working by collaborating together rather than sending all the information to oh. one decision maker who then disperses the information back down. Okay. So. So that's basically you know that's a function of the neural network and it it functions for you know, danger recognition and uh, you know image detection perception interpretation language and it even in the most powerful powerful models that they've been developing since 2016 we're even seeing intuition creativity and um independent thinking coming out of out of these models you know like that and it's really amazing because you know a lot of times we think that that's a special human feature that you know can't be replicated anywhere but basically it's it's coming out of these models and the you know, the way they work is oops going in the wrong way the way they work is that each node has a, 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 an array of numbers. 
that node, that node, you're pointing, you're pointing to the green circles. Yeah, I'm pointing to the green circle. Okay. Each node has a set set of vector, as a string of numbers associated with it, and each pathway passes data to to the node. Each node. See the pathway passes the data to the node. And the node multiplies the data times the string of numbers and then pass, passes the results to the next node. And that's that's all that's happening. And that's what creates intuition, creativity, and uh, you know, all the perception, the ability to detect faces and things like that. And in fact, that's what um, you know, that's what Apple has actually labeled um they've actually created a chip and they that is actually designed to look like that and that's what they call a neural engine and they've actually copyrighted copyrighted that so i can't use neural engine to promote my company but i can use neural profit engine oh. and uh, so if you if you hold an apple phone up to your face and it, it it recognizes your face and then opens okay. the phone. Right. That is actually a neural engine, and it it's designed for perception, intuition, creativity, independence. It's you know it's also um, a language processor like our brain is, and the advantages are you know it's very fast. It can remember. It can classify data, organize data. It can identify clusters of data, and it can predict. So, and go ahead. And yeah, I'm sorry. Now, so yeah, go ahead and ask your question if you want. Um. <laughs> so you said that these neural engines. Uh, are developed such that they now can think independently. Yes. Yeah, so probably the, the most famous example is what's, is what's called Move 37. And uh, this was really the first time that that kind of thinking or, you know, mental processing was first developed or first uh, observed in a machine, a computer program. And uh, Move 37 occurred at a game of Go. So Go is the Chinese board game that has, you know, black little black and white stones they place all over the board game. And the, the people who are involved with Go, in fact, the president, Sergey Brin, uh, artificial intelligence that could play Go until 2040 or 2050. But he bought this company called DeepMind, or Google bought the company called DeepMind, and DeepMind uh, had a group that felt it could happen. And so Sergey Brin and Google let them go ahead with you know, that challenge. And they developed a program called AlphaGo, and it got in three or four years, it became so good just from playing humans that they were able to challenge 
the they call him the Roger Federer of uh, of Go because he won something like eighteen championships. And um, to everyone's surprise, AlphaGo won the first game, and then the second game, the human was winning. And um, he he kind of had AlphaGo cornered. And so he felt pretty confident, went out. I guess you have 15 minutes for each move. So he went out to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and he came back, and AlphaGo had put in this move 37. And what was significant about move 37 was, you know, for somehow they recorded all the major moves uh, that every human has done in Go. And this move, move 37, had never ever been seen in the history of human play in in Go. It was the first time it was ever moved. And you know, with when these games of Go, they they have a broadcaster. It's like so, sort of like the Super Bowl. They have commentators who comment on each move and what's going on move, right? And the people commenting on the game, they said that that the guy that was moving the piece based on the instructions from Alpha had to have made a mistake. There's no way that he could have he could have made that move. But they checked it and they he had placed the stone exactly where Alpha Go said the stone should be placed. And that move was so disruptive, it it shook Lisa Dole was the player that was playing the game. He was one that was considered to be the Roger Federer right. of, of Go. And he he uh it turned the game around completely and Alpha Go um went on to win the game and that that move turned the game around. So in order to play Go, you have to have intuition because yeah um you can't it's not like chess where you can pretty much memorize you know a million moves and and be able to you know put together a database there's just too many moves in go so it, it alpha go exhibited intuition independent thinking and creativity and um you know from there it's it's just developed and now now they they even play game alpha go plays they actually have a new one called Alpha Starcraft or something. And it plays the games like, you know, they pay these guys, these guys earn millions of dollars now to play the gamers. They have these special chairs and they have these big things, like $30,000 computers. And they they play Starcraft and other games against each other. And um, so Al, this Alpha the sister of a brother of alpha go who plays starcraft they all want to play they don't want to play each other anymore they want to play out this uh artificial intelligence implementation of starcraft because um it helps them beat other humans <laughs> so yeah it's uh, <laughs> so, so, so um, that so i had another question and then and then you just said something that that uh because my question was people will be upset that 
a, a machine can think, it can outthink us or something. On the other hand, you just said how they use that is that the humans played with the uh, uh, the machine in order to best their game even better. So you're, you're I, setting me up like crazy. Here's my next slide. How collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exact. You, you, we're on the we're in tune, Merrill. Um, Merrill, the uh, th they found that I don't think humans sh should. I think that if you don't want to accept AI and you want to try to ignore it, then you should worry. You you're probably you're probably not going to people young people who have that attitude probably aren't going to have a very high paying job in the future. But um, they, what they're finding, actually, is the greatest strides in profitability in companies, the greatest strides in medicine, the greatest strides in any of these sciences has come where people learn how to collaborate with AI. And, for instance, they found that, that doctors are, you know, about 94% accurate on average. They did this study where they had these doctors read various um, x-rays and, and other types of diagnoses. And the doctors were 94% accurate, whereas AI was only 93% accurate, 1% less. But when the doctors work effectively with AI, they were 99% accurate. So, you know, we're really seeing that's the real key is humans, you know, learning to use AI. And you're seeing that a lot now with chat G GPT and GPT-4. And, you know, you that, have to tell that, people about that because yeah. so, everybody, everybody doesn't know. Yeah. So chat GPT or GPT-4 is kind of like a, it. It's uh, like a human you talk to or you, you, you ask it questions, you type into it. I don't know if you can talk to it yet, but you type in to the computer, you type your question, like you want to write a paper, it'll write a paper for you. Um, and, you know, so it's actually, you know, it can be useful, but you just have to be very, oh, very wait. careful. So you ask it a question and then what? <clears throat> Excuse me just a second. I'm getting... So, so while, while, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, um, my throat was getting caught. So you ask, so for instance, you can ask it, um, uh, what are the 10 things you need to do to get ready for taxes? And it will give you 10 things. Or you can ask it, um, for, for instance, it was tested, Wall Street Journal put it through a test. Um, they actually attended a class, and the uh, the class was about uh, writing a movie with uh, what was that movie with Matthew Brody? Oh, something days off, someone's day off, uh, where they they skipped school. Matthew Brody, yeah, and they yeah. had they take the dad's Ferrari, <laughs> and um, and actually. Um, Chat GPT did a actually a very poor job. It 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 didn't associate the right people with the right walls and things like that. So 
while useful, it's also very um, it it can be it can have lots of errors, and they also felt the the professor who was grading the paper that was submitted felt that you know that there was lots of grammatical errors and and things like that. But probably the biggest worry about things like Chat GPT is if you really ask it a question like um, you know what was the origins of COVID. It's going to tell you. It's going to tell you that the origins, that science has decided that the origins were from uh, hum, from a animal transmission to a human, right? Where, you know, the the science actually, I'm not saying one way or another, but the science definitely is not settled on that question, right. and it's migrating more toward a lab lead. So, you know, but the problem is, is that chat gpt doesn't doesn't finesse that question or doesn't put it in that gray area so you know the uh there's but there's more and more uh you know there's lots of other tools that are very beneficial as far as um as far as artificial intelligence and how it enhances business so um, you know, all in all, I think it's good. I think that people have to, you know, they have they have a right to worry. Elon Musk is worried about it, but um, you just have to learn how to use it, and you can't just start start using it and not not use your own brain and think logically and use good common sense when you when you're using some of this stuff. Does that make sense? Yes. You, you, it, what you're saying is you have to always maintain the fact that you're the boss. Right. And and it's it's very interesting because, you know, they've done a lot of experiments with people who have had, they've been in accidents in their brain. They've had this, or they've had, you know, problems. They've had to actually sever the difference between the connection between the right and left. Yeah. And they found that, um, you know, everyone th thinks that the logical, rational part of the brain is what rules the brain. But what they found from this experiment is it's actually the feeling, the soft, the, the non-logical part of the brain that is the best at, at helping you make the right decisions and make sense of what's going on with your logical part of the brain. So you have to keep that human part when you're working with these machines and and not just you know accept everything at face value that's coming from the, the what you're saying like use your intuition use right yeah use it i have a feeling that he's always machines always been right but i have a feeling that this doesn't make sense that's what you're talking about exactly. that's it that's it yeah and uh, uh you know, the, the and the other part is that, you know, you have to set up everything correctly. For instance, you have to organize your data correctly, too, when you're using these. If you got to be really careful. And that's where, you know, that's where bookkeeping. That's why I started with bookkeeping as far as data for companies and and bookkeeping as a 
as a starting point for artificial intelligence because you know actually quickbooks is applying a lot of artificial intelligence to its bookkeeping programs in order you know th things like uh, to improve productivity so um you know see five transactions in a row or something that that are similar and they're all categorized as the same it's going to suggest a category for for those transactions for a new transaction oh I but see. Um, yeah but the the main thing is that um you know you have to make you have to be really good at cleaning your data and you have to really i mean data has to be a, a, a key part of the whole puzzle and you have to be strategic about it you have to organize it correctly and you have to if you're going to use it for machine learning you have to make sure that's accurately labeled and the accurate the labels aren't introducing bias and and in a company that data is the money the bookkeeping the right. the, the what comes in right. and goes out that's that, it. That's, uh, that, that's it. it. It's so interesting to me. You know, it sounds kind of uh, almost in the clouds. This AI and the data and all that. And it, what are you talking about? You're talking about the bookkeeping. That's that's incredible. It's so right. basic yep. that I've taken it for granted in my business. Right. But I haven't taken it for granted. But I haven't. I haven't given it the status it apparently deserves. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and talk, I think about, that, talk about the silos versus. Uh, right. Well, we're, we're, we're in synchronicity today. It's like we're completely <laughs> synchronized in your, in your thinking. So, uh, yeah. So the, the other thing about data is that, you know, the traditional company is organized like a manufacturing it's like they organize the company like a production line right and so um you know you have your your suppliers and you have your um you have your production line and then you have your finishers and you have your salespeople. and the way it's typically been organized is that you know, the data starts to, and it flows up to the guy in the top. And then the guy in the top decides where, you know, the data is going to be distributed and who gets it and how much is shared. And this is, this is what has made companies uh, very rigid and flexible and makes it very, very difficult to react to any kind of big change in in the environment and you know when you think about some of the big changes yeah i think netflix is one i mean we all remember you know the old uh hollywood was hollywood videos and then uh where you would go in and and you would actually rent a dvd and then bring it back the next day and that's what Netflix did, was in the same business, only they mailed it to you. And, you know, Netflix was the only one who really pivoted fast with data streaming and converted the business from, you know, renting DVDs to actually 
streaming and then actually producing content. And, you know, this is because Netflix was, you know, one of the first people to realize that almost all companies in the future are going to be data companies. So, for instance, everyone thinks that, for instance, that Tesla is a car company. But, and, you know, everyone's trying to understand when Tesla only sells a quarter or a third of the cars that GM does, why investors put a value that's four times the value of GM on Tesla. Well, that's because Tesla understood a long time ago that the data, the companies of the future are going to be all be data companies. I mean, a person who had a, a catering business, they're going to be a data business. They're, they're going to, the date, the, it's the data and their ability to handle it is going to govern where they go. And in order to handle that, they need to reorganize and rethink about the way they're doing it. They're why the way they're gathering information, the way they're storing information. And, uh, you know, they need to be able to, that's why I call, I use the term a neural company. So a neural CFO is a CFO who's, who is sitting as a CFO of an agile company that where everything is digital. And that's why I call, that's why I call a neural company. So, um, this this over here this graph here shows how an agile company is is organized while while they have independent groups the they're all they're all interconnected and talking to each other just like just like you know the the neural network that that runs artificial intelligence for so many operations and the reason that that this is is so powerful is that you your ability to interact with the data, interact with machines, and then interact with humans, and provide um, a smooth collaboration between machines and humans and an organization is much more effective than than and. That's these are the companies that you're really starting to see succeed, and it's really changed my company. I mean, my company, since I really got this together, is is actually doing much much better now. So I, I, I you know, you talked about uh, how how the information or data or bookkeeping and numbers um, flowed. Uh, 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 upward. I, I, I loved you, you talked earlier about the silo image because, and then you dated, you, you labeled them uh, marketing is one silo. Uh, uh, what's another one? Sales, another sales. Yeah. So, so, so here you have them. See, so you can see, get my finger going right, right the right way. You can see <laughs> sales. And then you can see, um, you can see marketing. I'm sorry, manufacturing. So you kind of have the same. You have clusters, and this is engineering. Oh. You have the same clusters, but instead of the information flowing up to a central place, and then 
going back down and being shared, you can see that the lines of communication um, between each... Join, the clusters join the each clusters. other. Yeah, that's it. And they don't join each other in one place. There's there's several several lines of communication. And they, they go back and forth between each other. Like, you know, you don't have to send information down to um, the sales and then send it over to manufacturing. It they, All the groups work together and collaborate together. And in order to do this, the, the, the key thing is, you know, relationships between humans. That's what make these, it's not the power of the computer or, you know, the power of the computers are just the data they have. But it's the integration between human relationships and human collaboration and trust that and that integrated with computers, the data, and people working with each other and the production process that makes them function so well. Uh, okay, so um, so you talk about the integration, the people, how the people function together. Uh, so right. I, I think in terms of if a company is used to having silos and all the information goes up to a central person like the boss, the owner, then, right. uh, and now with the, the, this more egalitarian approach where uh, no information, sales information isn't held from me because I'm in production. Uh, but but I know about sales and you know about production. And, and so then here I am, it's just a, a worker on the line and I can say, well, maybe we could do it this way. Uh, and that's and it. Won't you that, got it. Won't that make the boss nervous as heck? Uh, well, it can if the boss um, is from a traditional company, but if the boss is, you know, enlightened as i like to put it he's been he's been neuralized he's, <laughs> he's adopted he's adopted the neural mentality he's going to understand he's a neural cfo or a neural ceo working in the neural company he's going to understand that that's where the power comes from and he's going to give that power to um you know to his workers to make those to make those kinds of decisions, in the same way, in the same way that he gives yeah. power to the machine, the neuron, to yeah the way it does to create something maybe a little different than he expected. Uh, so he's giving trust to the machine and the people. That's it. That's it, and and it's just like. It's just like the brain. I mean, if if you see a bear, there's not there's not just one. Um, you know, you you don't send all the information just to one neural area and then um, expect it to make a decision and distribute it out. Basically, um, well, it kind of you know, basically, it's the neurons working together and firing off and exchanging information. That allows you to perceive that that's a bear. So, so not only do you have to have the integration 
to make a neural company work and be able to function effectively, not only do you have to have that neural connections in, in the company, but you have to have neural connections outside of the company. You have to be able to, you know, your com- you have to have relationships with with people and with the community too to be able to exchange information and um and actually you're seeing this much more now where and rather than looking at people as you know competitor where you don't share information people are sharing much more information and um having confidence in their their ability to um the, the reason people will hire them is because they need their skills and their service rather than the, that they're going to try to copy them. And, uh, but also, you know, that, that kind of link to the community using the, the neural properties of the computer and its ability to gather information and being able to interface with that as a human is, you know, how you're going to, detect is how you're going to detect danger that would now be a good time for my barometer story and go for it in the fishing yeah so i took my I took my mom fly fishing right in the grand canyon and it you know many people realize that out in, in the northern the northeastern corner of arizona and the in the grand canyon is some of the greatest fly fishing because they've got this dam that the dam that releases the water from the bottom, and we're out there with a guide, Kay, and uh, and with my mom, and it was just the most amazing day. It was clear, still, there was hardly any wind. It was sunny, and it was the most beautiful fly fishing scene I had ever been in. The you had these beautiful blue clear skies with no pollution. And um, we were in the, the part of the Grand Canyon that has the Navajo sandstone, which is like the salmon pink and the pastel oranges, all sorts of colors. And then because the water was so clear that the sun was able to penetrate it and there was, you know, really bright green plants growing in the bottom of the river. So here you had this bright green ribbon of water running through these um, orange and pink and kind of yellowish and reddish sandstone cliffs and the blue sky. And not only that, but we were catching fish. I mean, we were catching, they were like little torpedoes. These, <laughs> the, they even weren't even little. They were like, you know, dolphins or torpedoes, these trout. And they fought like crazy. And my mom was, it was just the best fishing day ever. And we just finished lunch and we went back out fishing. And all of a sudden, you know, Terry comes up to me and said, you know, we we have to leave now. And, and uh, so I said, what? He goes, you know, look, I carry a barometer and my barometer on my watch just dropped like crazy. I've only seen that happen one time before. And uh, it, when that happened, a, a man actually died trying to get through the canyon. So, you know, you need to get in your in the boat now get your mom in the boat strap your mom down and and tie yourself you know use your seatbelt, and we need to get out of here right away and i thought he was crazy because 
there was no wind where we were. It was perfectly calm. It was a beautiful day. But we got in the boat, and sure enough, we turned the corner in the canyon, and all hell broke loose. I mean, we had wind coming up probably 40 miles an hour uh, right in our faces, and it was actually blowing two-foot waves up the river. And my poor mom, I had to had to sit in front of her, and she was screaming, and she was choking from the water, and we were just hitting these waves and pounding through. And luckily, our guide had had this this watch and knew about, you know, to look at the barometer because when we got through, we looked back, and he said, check that out. And there was like a whirlwind, a tornado coming down the cliffs. And he called, said, we call those horizontal tornadoes. And and the water, we just made it through with like two minutes to spare because the water was just completely, uh, completely chewed up. So the idea is, you know, I want to develop that barometer. I want people to have their system to function like that barometer and the guy and the guide's watch to be able to understand, you know, when when things are changing ahead of time and be able to anticipate the change because that's the key to surviving chaos and and surviving um disru- a disruptive business environment so that's another that's another key aspect of of these systems is be, being able to is to have the discipline and you're talking about you know people think about it in terms of you know you know upper level science but when it comes to implementing it, the really important thing is to have your a disciplined ground level game that's functioning, and uh, you know you having could, your data together. Chris, you could easily have said, "Oh, guy, you know, you're just being ridiculous." It's beautiful, right? And right. So, so and he, he again, was never going to allow that. <laughs> again, the trust you have yeah, to trust that's him. That, that's it. We had to trust him. So it trust collaboration information, you know it it, uh, it flows and it's a key a key ingredient to surviving, you know the discipline to just completely set your company up and 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 process everything, you know to prepare for the the day of chaos and have all your ducks in a row and make sure you're tagging them for every all your information your data is clean. And everyone's working together, and that uh, everyone trusts each other. That's the key to surviving chaos and surviving disrupt- disruption. And it's the companies, it's the companies that are able to survive those tough times and then keep on to the good times that actually end up making a lot of money. You, you know, know, look at Tesla. Yeah, go ahead. Look at Tesla. I mean, it almost went bankrupt and it was able to survive. And there's a great story about FedEx. You know, FedEx, the, there was a certain point like in 2000 or something or 1995 um, when they were going to go bankrupt. And the, the owner actually went to Las Vegas and, uh, and, and gambled and won a bunch of money. And that's how the company survived. But the main point is that, you know, all companies, a lot of them, Major companies have gone through a point where they almost don't make it, and there's there's a special. They have the skills to make it through the tough parts, the tough uh, times to 
be able to, you know, make money during the good times. I'm going to get some water again. So while you're getting water, that is very high level. Um, you, you know, you think even higher level than all the neural stuff that AI has brought to us, it, it is requiring of us to have that much higher level of uh, emotional, a psychic um, intelligence yep strength in, 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 in using our brain and trusting <laughs> the parts of our right. environment that will that will lead us through the chaos and chaos meaning yep. another uh pandemic or something right a pandemic or the upcoming recession yes or you know Wars, um, the banks all of a sudden. Yep, that's it, exactly it. That, that's so, and it, it's all it's all the key component of it all is, you know, human relationships and trust. Even though you know, artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence uses the same high level of communications and data sharing and collaboration. I mean that's what that, that's what makes these neural networks so powerful. Interesting, very it it it, it really it it's uh computer artificial intelligence is just pulling mankind to uh a more yeah. amazing way to live with each other. Right. I mean, yep. so because one well, of the the trouble is, I don't trust China. I don't trust Russia. I don't trust uh, uh, Democrats. I don't, don't trust. I don't trust. I don't trust the woke people. I don't trust the yeah. the, the uh, you know the, the what do they call them the oath keepers. I don't trust. Right. Uh, yeah, I I don't trust. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's so much divisiveness at a time when. We, we actually need to, to be collaborating, working together, exactly, and and trusting each other, and and communicating. The key is is communicating and sharing information. That's and, that's really what's going to be. What? I, I, that's what's going to be the key factor in in the success of an yeah. organization. Yeah. You know, of our country, of uh, you as a person and things like that, your connections and your collaboration and how well you collaborate with people and how well you collaborate with AI. And you start that by having a client company that hires you to do their bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And, and so so the, the way it works is uh, is. That we I start with you know helping them you know get their data in in order, and then once the data in order is in order, we start becoming more creative and more disciplined as far as tagging the data. But then, then what I've developed is uh, tools to actually scan the receipts and store the receipts in, on the cloud in a searchable database. So, you know, the 
the transactions and the information that relate to the da data that you have in in your accounting system is also stored in a searchable, searchable database in the cloud and along with all your documents so if you need you know a lot of people during the pandemic um wanted to apply for the ppp loans right but then they had to you were all locked down and you had to get your documents you had to take them to the bank and uh you know they're they're all in papers and paper files somewhere in a box and you know half of them were in bottom box and half of them were in another box and there was no relationship so um yeah uh the the, the that that's that's the next step and then and then as you build your company you know uh you know start putting together what what i call um a data interface where you're actually using, you know, uh, in data coming from all different sources, your accounting system and put together in a, in a central screen where you can actually, you can actually see it in one place and evaluate what's going on and integrate the information. And, uh, you know, from, from there, work with companies on, on how, how to set up their company in a more effective way and communicate between um, between the different business areas. So I have to say that Vernon Budinger, Vernon, holds an MBA in finance from NYU, a CFA, a CAIA designation with a focus on graduate level statistics for finance. He has applied this knowledge to develop profitable solutions for commercial projects over his 30 year career in finance and business. He recently advanced his skill further with courses on data analytics and machine learning from AI and AI from Google and Stanford University. So I guess you probably know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, very, yeah, it, very impressive. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's a, we have to continue growing and continue learning, right? And continue to develop our skills and learn how to interact more effectively between humans and uh, share the information in an effective manner. Yes, and what and what uh, and I've done some a little bit of research too. But and exactly what you say is that it's not enough to know your specialty. It's not enough for me to know about relationships. I have to know how to how to um, uh, bring it to people and how to find those people right. and all those things are a part of that AI component. Right. And the interfaces with AI and AI can help you with it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, uh, it, it, it could be overwhelming, uh, but it's also exciting. That's it. It, it. it is. It is. It is very forward looking. It is a, a, a new way that can, uh, 
if you get over if if you allow yourself to push yourself to learn this stuff well just it doesn't just push one person it pushes all of us yep i agree i agree completely exciting exciting uh do, do, have have we left anything out is there something more no, i i think uh we we've uh covered it quite a bit i think uh those are the key components and you know thank you so much for giving me the time to talk and you know i'd be interested in in exploring this relationship collaboration interface uh between ai and people and with you and you know see what people relationships and building people relationships has to do with building relationships with yeah. machines and yeah. how relationships with machines and relationships with people you know help you to collaborate better and to function more effectively in your job or in society yeah in the yeah. economy yeah it's it's yeah me too sounds very exciting so this right. This apparently is not our last conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. I think we're going to be talking quite a bit. <laughs> so, but we are on a podcast now, and uh, I'm, we're just about signing off. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Merle's Pearls of Business Wisdom with me, your host, Merle M. Singer, the relationship miracle worker, who's going to be working more miracles with Vern. You can find this episode and all past episodes. Well, you can find it on my website, relationshipmiracleworker.com uh, slash podcast. But uh, you can go on pod, uh, on uh, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or all your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, if you're listening to it, it's probably April 6th and any time thereafter. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Thank you, Vern. This is fascinating. And thank you. Bye, everybody.